Hello and welcome to season two of Inform's Meet Her podcast. My name is Terry Barclay, and I'm president and CEO of Inforum, a nonprofit whose work includes highlighting and supporting diversity in business leadership. The Meet Her podcast series introduces listeners to women of accomplishment whose experiences and insights feed us all on our leadership journeys. And I am just so very, very excited that joining me today is my friend Kim Dabbs, Global Director of Social Innovation and Engagement at Steelcase. Welcome, Kim, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for the invitation and for allowing me to join in on this conversation. Wow, we're 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 the ones who are lucky to hear from you. So um, I know, and I know we've got a lot to cover. So let's jump right in. How do you define and communicate the differences between diversity, inclusion, and equity in your organization? What a great question, Terry. When I think about this, both for the organization and in my role, serving the communities where we live and work throughout the globe, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, they're all interlinked together. And when we start thinking about that definition or how we start talking about it, um, you know, the differentiation between the three, I look at diversity as really being about gender and race, but also uh, the mix of people with different traits and experiences and background um, throughout the world. Uh, when we talk about equity, though, equity really, you know, is different from diversity as equity is providing equal treatment or fair treatment. You know, we know when equity exists, people have equal access to opportunities. And that's such a key and critical part of building that culture we're looking for. And then when we, we think about inclusion, that's the culture piece. It's about authentically welcoming people. It's valuing the diversity, providing equitable opportunity. And then for, for us, it's creating environments where people feel a sense of belonging, where they can feel comfortable being their true and authentic selves, uh, both at work and in the communities where we live and work. What a great distinction between the three. And and if it's okay, I I just would like to ask a quick follow-up. You know, Steelcase has such an amazing global footprint. And I often find myself wondering, you know, when you're operating in different countries, I mean, you're you have a hub in Kuala Lumpur, I believe, and you know, all yeah. really all over the globe. I wonder, have you do you think that helps this this work? Because um, it introduces immediately a note of uh, of diversity. Is that a, a help to companies trying to do improve their work in D, I, and E? Absolutely. I think that cultural context of really using empathy as a management practice and understanding that all of our colleagues throughout the world are coming from a different cultural context. And that being said, it also layers in different types of complexity when we think about what makes a community diverse and what does equal access to opportunity look in different locations. And then when we're talking about inclusion, our steel case culture, as well as making sure that everyone through their cultural context is able to feel included and authentically themselves, uh, no matter where they live. Mm. So, so that kind of leads into our next question. What can leaders do on a day-to-day basis to encourage and facilitate diversity, equity, and inclusion? 
It's a great question. You know, I think about this uh, almost through an uh, um, individual lens. So what can we do individually to encourage that in ourselves? What can we do collectively with our teams? And then, of course, on the community side, how do we encourage that and facilitate that as community leaders uh, where we live and work? So in teams, it goes back to that, making sure that we have diversity in our teams, making sure that when we hire, we hire with intention, we have a lens of equity in our talent pipelines. And then what I think is so important and, and so often the hardest to quantify is, is that inclusion piece and how do you measure culture? And for us, there are so many different things as leaders we can do. Uh, to, to really shape the culture of inclusion. What are those rituals that we practice every single day with our teams? What are those communications uh, that we put forward to our teams? And how do we organize and structure our days through that lens to give people the opportunity to be authentic, to be themselves, um, and to embrace the diversity of our teams? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that so much of this, I think everybody has good the best of intentions, actually. It's how do you translate on a day-to-day basis that that theory to practice, right? You know, and so those- Absolutely. Those are good um, uh, pieces of advice for us. So the next part of that is really, how do you define success in this work and communicate what that looks like to your team? So my role uh, at Steelcase is social innovation So when we think about that, it's making sure that we are um, building and strengthening the communities where we live and work um, through our internal policies, through our practices, as well as um, engaging our employees to be change makers in the community and partnering with community-based organizations um, to innovate new ideas, new methodologies uh, for social change. So knowing that, when we start to define success and communicate what that looks like, both inside and outside our organization, what I believe is that uh, you design with people and you don't design for people. And when that shift happens, we use methodologies like equity-centered design or human-centered design. When you start designing together Mm -hmm. with a community, when you start designing together with your team, everyone is measuring and defining the same success together and you have shared ownership in a way that you wouldn't before. I tell all of my teams, uh, wherever I've worked and whatever team I've led, that we're accountable to the people that we serve, first and foremost, full stop, that we are accountable to the people we serve. And in the community space and the social innovation space, that means our communities and the places where we live and work, and we constantly engage our employees to do the same. And time and time again, they step up and I am in awe and thankful every day for our community partners, for our employees and all of the people that we serve. Uh, What a wonderful perspective. um, And might I say a refreshing perspective. It just turns the typical notions on their head. And it's, I think it's easy to see how that kind of definition of success would uh, be long lasting. Uh, You know, what a, what a wonderful way to frame and to work. So 
So, and it kind of leads again into our next question. So trust is often identified as a key element of leadership. Can you tell us how you've built trust among colleagues in the past and why you think it worked? Yeah, trust is key and critical uh, for teams. Trust is key and critical for communities between sectors, um, between governments and nonprofit organizations and educational institutions and corporations. Um, so when we think about leadership, it can have so many layers. Um, but when we go back to that last question too, when we talk about building trust, it really needs to start with shared purpose. And no matter what your cultural context, if you can really come together through a lens of empathy and understand and find that common purpose together, um, that in and of itself embeds trust like nothing else. I've seen it over and over in the design sprints and the community projects that we've had uh, when we know that we're working together towards a common goal, purpose matters. And if, if that is embedded, then you have definitely embedded trust in that process. Mm. <clears throat> Interesting. Because I, I, I think... Um... You know, trust is something that um, I, I think it's something that we all long for. And sometimes it can be really difficult, especially if there are lots of differences and lots of different opinions. So I love the idea of uniting around a common purpose as really sort of the, the fundamental building block. Uh, and then, of course, having behaviors that are aligned around that um, makes a lot of sense, especially in this time when it seems like there's so much polarization um, in the world. If we can come together around common purpose, we're, we're more than halfway there. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, um, and now one more question in this section. Do you have a favorite quote that you'd like to share? <laughs> and tell us why. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's a good one. I, when I think about things that are almost repeated in my head every day by people I admire, um, there are so many that come to mind, but the one that's really sticking with me right now, and given our conversation that we've had here, uh, Brene Brown, who I absolutely adore. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> one of the things that she had said uh, is I'm here to get it right, not to be right. And I say this over and over to myself, whenever I'm at a moment where I need to make a decision, whenever there's a moment when I'm trying a new program or prototyping new solutions, and especially when, um, like you were talking about, when these divisions exist, knowing that when we're engaging in civil discourse, it's yeah. not about being right. Right now, it's about, I'm here to get it right. I'm not here to be right. And through that lens, it, it just shifts my focus into one of learning, into one of purpose, and knowing that we, we all are just doing the best we can uh, to move that needle on, on progress and social impact. Oh, I just, oh my gosh, I just love that. Um, it, it, it sort of instantly removes the ego from it, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. which is, which, 
ah, you know, when we, we get escalating wars of words and all those things, I mean, yeah, what a, what a great way to refocus and center again on purpose. You know, that's, that's a guiding principle clearly. So, so Kim, before, before you go, can you share with us a story about how you've used or even a time when you wish you'd used, I know that I often learn the most from my mistakes, <laughs> dang it, um, a key leadership competency and why that mattered. Yeah, I think this past year, um, so we're just rounded the corner into 2021. And when I look back on 2020, there's so much that we've had to wrap our heads around and come to terms with um, individually, organizationally, globally. And empathy is at the heart of all of that. Mm. And when we think about using empathy to understand and overcome challenges, it's, it's empathy that's the answer. And when I think about these new programs that we've tried um, and tested and we've pushed out into the world a lot of times for the first time it, you know in our social innovation practice we just launched a global equity and education challenge uh, for educators and innovators throughout the world this is the first time we've tried this and done this and there are so many first time lessons learned um, in building this program and we had you know nearly 400 people in 30 countries come together to say equity matters education matters, and we can come together for common solutions around that. But in order for all of us to build and to deliver together, we needed to start with empathy, empathy for our students, empathy for our schools, empathy for administrators. Um, there are so many stakeholders that just absolutely need to have their voices heard and be a part of that design process in order to overcome all of these challenges, which then become a leadership challenge. So that being said, empathy is key and critical, but on the other side of that coin of empathy, I'm gonna add in grace. So when we're going through all of this, knowing that we're trying things for the first time and it's not gonna be perfect and we're gonna have lessons that we're gonna learn, but learning them together is, is the key differentiator in, in learning and really truly it's sticking. So when I say grace, like giving ourselves grace, knowing that we're not gonna get it right all the time, giving ourselves grace in that inner dialogue that we have with ourselves, telling ourselves, you know, I may be scared or tired or lonely um, in these moments of community building and education building and giving your teams grace knowing that these are extraordinary times and extraordinary circumstances. So just, just taking time to listen is, is so important in these moments of crisis. And if we can take forward those, those lessons around empathy and grace into our future practices, that's the normal that I want in the world. And that's the normal I hope we're taking away um, as we're designing new solutions. Oh my goodness. That is just um, such an important example, Kim, you know, before, <laughs> wow, <laughs> before we went live, you know, we were talking about um, this, uh, 
you know, a project that I'm working on where I've interviewed top leaders in a certain industry. And I just have to share with you that one of the quotes from one of them, because um, I too am a little bit of a quote junkie, um, was great leaders give each other grace and give themselves grace. So know that you are not alone in this observation. I think, you know, maybe, maybe we can create a global movement around that, right? Empathy and grace. It sounds like. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to join us today, Kim, and for sharing such incredible insights. Thank you so much, Terry. And I look forward to the next time we talk. Well, that wraps up our podcast. Please come back to inforummichigan.org for more opportunities to meet her. And while you're there, check out season one, as well as Meet Him, a podcast series in which male leaders share what they've learned about the importance of diverse leadership. And don't forget to check out our growing library of video tips, virtual leadership development programming, and our calendar of virtual events. Thanks so much for joining us today.